Hello and welcome to episode 225 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox with me in Vienna, Virginia, soon to head to the airport to fly to San Diego, Ben Olson. Uh, Taking all the boys and everything, loading up for the holidays. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. I wanted to ask you um, if you can do it briefly, What? because this is going to come out after uh, Christmas. This is going to come out on the 30th. Okay. And also, I imagine your boys don't listen to the show. So, <laughs> what are each of the four boys getting for Christmas, from oldest to youngest? Oh. Uh, well, first of all, I would say they're probably getting too many presents. Um, okay. You know, I, I was asking them what they wanted, and they always say, like, oh... I don't know, or, you know, really big things like I want an iPhone and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, oh, that's um, okay. And so then I just kind of procrastinate until it's too late. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I will get so-and-so an iPhone since that's what they asked for. (laughs) So anyways, the second is getting um, an iPhone, Okay, yeah, your favorite one. It's getting mm-hmm. the best present. Yeah. I knew that was going to yeah. happen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, the oldest is getting a desk because he's building a gaming computer. Wow. Yeah. Cool. What games yeah. is he playing? Uh, I actually don't recognize them. Uh-huh. Um, so I'll ask him and then relay that back to you. Okay. Um, the next one after that is getting my old iPhone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I never took the time to trade it in, and it's actually yeah, good. Right. It's in good shape because I put it in one of those, like you know, military grade cases, which okay. I no longer appreciate, but I did yeah. at one point, and so it's pretty much brand new. And then um, the youngest is getting the second iPhone, so it's like serious, like tech Christmas. It's bad, but whatever. So brand new iPhone. Mm-hmm. Then a desk, mm-hmm. then then a hand me down iPhone, and then another hand me down iPhone. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. But they don't care. They're, they're going to be excited that they have now a phone that actually the little ones are yeah. going to be going nuts. Yeah, yeah. They've been uh-huh. using Alexa for Audible their entire life. So, got it. Cool, cool. And wait, are you going to get them plans? And are they going to be like on the internet no, and everything? No, no, no. We're okay. we're definitely going cheap here. Um, even the even Kyle won't have a plan. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. He's cool with that. He just wants a, a better phone that actually works. Well, he'll have Wi Fi, so he'll be all over the internet anyway. That unless is you're going to set up parental controls. Oh, yes. I got those stuff. parental controls down. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You think you, they, think you do. He's yeah. letting you think that you have the parental controls. <laughs> yeah. I let them use their phones up to like two minutes a day. So that's the plan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Best two minutes of their entire life. <laughs> Quick. Oh, I got a text from dad and I have to respond to that. <laughs> my time's cool. off. No, but yeah, they cool. actually work really well on, on the iPhone, which is why I'm kind of keeping it in the iPhone family. Gotcha. Gotcha. Today on the show, uh, we have a bunch of listener emails. Uh, we got a listener saying thanks. We have... Um, some demon updates, new uh, new stuff that you can find in the demon uh, study plan, model writing sample, stuff we've been working on for you. Merry Christmas, everybody. We have a pearls versus turds. We have a couple related emails about scholarship negotiations. Uh, we have this time of year, Ben, everybody's getting all their offers 
And so one of our former students, uh, I'll keep her anonymous, but she sent in a spreadsheet uh, with all of her offers. And uh, I thought we could go through those and just kind of, you know, talk about what she should, which offers are good, which offers are bad. And like some of the things that she should be thinking about as she negotiates those uh, offers. Okay. We have, this is something, this is the same student actually noticed that as she was going through making the spreadsheet, a whole bunch of the brand new 509s that just came out are Mm. broken. Mm. There's like missing data, incomplete data on these new 509 reports. I thought it would be worth talking about on the show, see if we can get to the bottom of that. How convenient. Yeah, that's annoying. Uh, Then uh, we have an email from a listener about how to finish a personal statement. Sound good? Sounds great. You got to get to the airport, so we're going to have to hustle through this stuff. Um, This show will air on December 30th. Happy New Year, everybody. Um, The upcoming events are January LSAT is on the 13th. That's a Monday. Uh, The deadline to register for the February LSAT is actually before that. (laughs) Inconveniently. Uh, Tuesday, January 7th, you have to register for the February LSAT before you even take the January LSAT. That just seems right there, Ben. That's an example of something so simple that they could just push that deadline back a week mm-hmm. so that at least people would have the experience of taking the January test so they might have some idea whether they want to take February. Yeah. Yeah. But no, they have to give you the full six weeks in advance uh, registration for that February 22nd LSAT. So this will be almost the first so this will be almost the last podcast that goes out before your deadline to register for the uh february lsat wow crazy yeah you can email the show help at thinking lsat.com when you do that and you you want to have your face splashed on our social media um you know or your dog on our social media send us a selfie um of you studying or you just goofing off whatever let's dive into this review huh Yeah, let's do it. Let's you take it. Okay. Dear Ben and Nathan, this week has been crazy. On Monday, I got into Harvard. On Tuesday, I got into Stanford. Wow. Okay. I haven't made any decisions yet, and I'm still waiting to hear on aid packages from all the schools to which I've been admitted. I haven't forgotten. Don't pay for law school. Still, I wanted to reach out to thank you. Thank you for your LSAT advice. You guys helped me bring my score from a 160 to a 177. Your humor also helped me to keep going when studying got tough. More importantly, thank you for your candor. You two have created a community of informed consumers, improved writers, and no-nonsense future lawyers. There's so much misinformation in law school admissions. I like knowing that you will always provide unfiltered, unbiased, reality-based advice. Ingratitude. Anon. Wow. Wow, that's kind of cool. Um, also, a solid starting score of 160. Jeez. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Lots of times people start at 160 and they think it's god-awful. <laughs> you know, yeah. we hear that all the time, yeah. right? People are just devastated. They got a 155 or they got a 160 yeah. starting score. But those people can always end up uh, knocking on the door of 170, if not like well into the 170s. Yeah, I would say that most so. people are starting between 140 and 155 somewhere in that range in the 140s so yeah if you're below that you have a, a steep hill to climb but um that's yeah. pretty normal to start in the 140s yep and yeah when people start it <laughs> yeah people don't understand that 160 is a fantastic starting score mm-hmm. it's a really great starting score yeah 
But uh, yeah, I mean, this anonymous obviously put in the work and uh, boy, choosing between Harvard and Stanford and I'm sure just a whole raft of full rides from other schools. Yeah. I do think that Harvard and Stanford are very different from all the rest of the schools. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if anonymous has the right goals, um, it could be worth borrowing the money for Harvard or Stanford. Yeah. They, you know, they're, they're like amazingly good to their alumni, right? They have, um, you can make a shit ton of money when you get out of school. Yeah. (laughs) The schools themselves are really terrific. Yeah. They, they actually do open doors for you that the other schools don't. Yeah. And in other fields, I mean, just say you're a Harvard or Stanford JD and people are like, okay, well, we know you can <laughs> compete. Oh yeah. With the best. Would you like to be an executive at my corporation? Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. just sort of instantly, um, which just, this it's not, doesn't happen at other schools. Yeah. Um, you know, including even like Berkeley, if the difference between Stanford and Berkeley is like gigantic, I think. Yeah. I used to think, ah, top 14, you know, now I just don't think that at all. <laughs> I, I've, I just, I've seen the type of people that go to Stanford and I've seen the type of people that go to Berkeley. And I, I just, like, I do think that there's a difference. It's not, not really, they don't deserve to be lumped into the same <laughs> kind of category. That is interesting. Um, I don't know how people will take this, but when I was working in legal writing consulting, uh, yeah, we could also see a difference in the um, skill sets of those who were at higher law firms and those even just a few tiers down, or not tiers. I mean, just like <laughs> you know, another like well-regarded law firm, but yeah, not as competitive or not as global. And you're like, wow, I can see a difference in your writing. I can see a difference in your. I don't know, ability to pick up on what we're saying and so on. Uh, it's just a yeah, stratification, a, I guess, of some sort. But There's a difference. There's there's just a difference. You know, like you can you can just tell. It's like when we read the first sentence of someone's, you know, personal statement or writing sample or whatever. Mm-hmm. We read one sentence and we're like already like, oh yeah, okay, I've got an idea. Yeah. <laughs> what what kind of strata you're you're in. Likely to be in, yeah. Yeah. I imagine that like other experts in other fields can do the same thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're really good writers. Like, well, that's what we're expert at really. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's like not to say that we're LeBron James or whatever, but I bet LeBron James sees you take one shot, you know, or like sees you five seconds on the basketball court and LeBron's going to be able to go. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I got, I know where you're at. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like something about the way you, you know, your feet are angled and all that kind of stuff that I have no awareness of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, I do think that creating a community of informed consumers is really what the show is all about. Mm -hmm. I mean, more than anything, right. We just want people to know what they're getting themselves into. And that's what today's going to be about largely uh, when we get into this um, spreadsheet of all the different offers from, from different schools. I just got to also put it out there that this is, a periodic reminder that getting your applications in early really does make a big difference. This is today is December 21st. I have no idea when this email came in because I think it went to the show. It didn't go to me. This is the first I've been reading this email. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I guess, you know, maybe let's assume it came in this week. Um, but this is somebody who already has admission to Harvard, admission to Stanford, and, you know, probably looks like admission to all a bunch of other schools too. Mm-hmm. And that's in December. That's because this person had their shit together and applied early in the cycle. Yeah. If you think you're going to take the January LSAT and then apply, 
you're competing with this more prepared person. Yeah. And this more prepared person already has offers in hand. Mm-hmm. Also, when we get to the spreadsheet that we're going to go through, this was also a very prepared person. This is someone who took our advice and applied early in the cycle. People always push back, Ben. People always go, yeah, but isn't it better to apply with a higher LSAT score? <laughs> and it's a false dichotomy, right? Because no, that's not your choice. Mm-hmm. Yes, you could apply now with a shitty LSAT score. Don't do that. You could apply in February with a better LSAT score. Don't do that either. Mm-hmm. Wait and apply September 1st of the next cycle with your better LSAT score. Yeah. No one wants to hear that advice. Everyone's always devastated when we say that. <laughs> but you just you just have to you have to be smart about the way you're starting your legal career. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pearls versus Tur. Uh, thank you, Anonymous. Oh, wait. Again, do for we want to do a demon update? Is that. Oh, shit. Did I. Oh, I almost skipped that. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. You're, you, you know most about that. Why don't you talk oh, about yeah. that? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that we added a model LSAT writing sample to the demon. We did. And um, a demon study plan is in lesson one. So, and that should be available to everyone. But in any case. The demon has evolved over time. It started off as just a tool for basically drilling. Mm-hmm. Um, the demon is now a comprehensive LSAT course. There's nothing else you need to prepare for the LSAT besides the demon. Um, it's got study plans. It's got lessons. It's got drilling. It's got timed sections. It's got full timed practice tests. You were just working with the team to put in prep test eighty nine. That's right. Yep. Into the demon. That's the, that was released this week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, a couple days ago. Yeah. And is it already live in the demon? I don't think it's already live, but it's very close. Um, it's going to happen. Like by the time you hear oh, this, it'll definitely this, be up. Yeah, probably. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'll be getting ask button requests to write all those logical reasoning explanations. And the demon continues to get better and better. So lsatdemon.com. You can still do a seven day free trial, Ben. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Beautiful. Um, did you already Pearls say LSATdemon.com? Sorry, I don't know. If LSATdemon.com. If you haven't heard of that yet. Sorry, if that's new. Anyways, yep. That's LSATdemon.com. Okay. Um, <laughs> we try to be real annoying like those advertisements. Yeah. say it <laughs> 10 times. <laughs> Just call 888. <laughs> Your future. All right. Pearls versus turrets time? Yeah. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so, here we get some potential wisdom from someone somewhere and decide whether it actually is a a wise idea or a pearl or a turd. Normally it's it's a turd. Yep. Um, Improving your concentration and ability to focus for long periods will improve your score across all sections, i.e. yoga. (laughs) That's a real bad use of i.e. Wow. (laughs) That is yoga? Okay. Um, In other words... Use something like yoga to improve your concentration and then and your focus, and then that will then help you improve your score across all sections. Okay, so let's read what else this person has to say. Mm-hmm. Preparation doesn't just mean sitting in front of a book doing logic problems. Logic problems. Since many, for many of us, more emotional general factors like the ability to concentrate for substantial periods and the ability to return to calmness under stress heavily influence our test taking opportunities to improve these skills can be incredibly valuable when i was studying for the test i started doing yoga i'd never done it before but between my first yoga class and the day of the test nine months later 
I ended up postponing my test date. Thank you for that parenthetical. I had begun to doing it every day, and I'm 100% certain, 100%, wow, certain it played a role in enabling me to score in the 99th percentile. My concentration improved, my ability to breathe through anxiety improved tremendously. And of course, the great thing about these kinds of changes is that they have a positive effect in other areas of your life as well. It doesn't have to be yoga, various forms of exercise, meditation practice, or any other means of enhancing your mental health through your overall physical health are important. I have mixed feelings about this. I I do think that there is a connection between doing these sorts of things, yoga, meditation, whatnot, and getting familiar with yourself and learning to control your impulses and improving your ability to focus, which I do think can help you on the test. My concern is that people will use this as like a replacement (laughs) for studying in some Mm. ways. Like, you know, oh, I'm doing all this yoga and it's like hours of yoga are going to have diminishing returns. But I do think people struggle a lot with focus and attention, especially with all our phones these days and learning to let go and become like in touch with the feelings that are driving you to take certain actions. People need to recognize that like when you feel anxious um, while you're taking the test, that's just a feeling and recognize it and then get back to work. A lot of times I think it becomes an excuse to rush or, do things after the test is over and say, Oh man, like I'm just really anxious. it's like, yeah, a lot of people are anxious when they're taking this test, recognize the feeling and then get back to work. And you may have to do that multiple times throughout the section, but that ability to refocus, to stand up after you've kind of been kicked down is what distinguishes a lot of test takers from other test takers. Yeah. Um, if this said EG instead of IE, <laughs> um, because I don't think that was their intention, right? Yeah. They were trying For to example. use yoga mm-hmm. as an example, which means yep. you need to use EG instead of IE. Also, never, ever do that. Just don't do it. Yep. Um, but if this said EG, and I think we, you know, go ahead and correct it for them. Um, I, I've got it. I think I've got it as a pearl. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. As long as people don't overdo it. Yeah, well, right. So your three hour yoga class, okay, that's maybe a little bit excessive, right? Or the mm-hmm. yoga in the morning and the yoga in the evening. Yeah. Uh, you only have a certain number of hours in the day and LSAT needs to have your best hour of the day. Mm-hmm. I really can't stress that enough. You need to find your best hour of the day yeah. and give it to the LSAT. Yeah. Like the LSAT is the beginning of your legal career. Yeah. You need to rearrange your life. I don't give a shit all of your things that you have. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. people love to say about their job and school and their kids and their family and everything. It's like, yeah, you're a human being. You have shit in your life. Mm -hmm. I don't care about the specifics. (laughs) I care about, did you rearrange your life? I mean, that's, it really comes down to that, doesn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. You need to rearrange your life so that you're the best hour of the day is devoted to LSAT prep. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this, but a long time ago I read the book, um, not that long ago, but a few months ago I read uh, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenborg. And I uh-huh. told you that it, I was kind of grappling with some of the things that he was saying. And I've come to the conclusion that some of the things he says are probably not true. But one thing that he did convince me of 
quite firmly over time was that he said that when you say I have to do something, what you're doing is you're offloading responsibility for your decision to do something to some external factor, mm. either a person or a thing. And so he said, stop doing that and just acknowledge that what you're saying is you'd prefer to do X, whatever it is, go to your job, stay late at your work, watch Netflix, although usually people don't say they have to watch Netflix, but they may say, hey, I have to go to work. I have to be there in the morning. And just acknowledge that you would prefer to go to work than suffer the consequences of, say, not going to work, maybe losing your job. You may feel like the fact that you might lose your job is somehow like preventing you from making a choice. No, you're always making a choice. It's just that acknowledge what's exactly happening. Oh, I'm, I would prefer to go to work than face the consequences. I'd prefer to go hang out with my friends than have them be mad at me or upset with me or whatever it is that you're doing. But the thing about it is although it can be challenging, it's also extraordinarily empowering because you can start to regain a lot more control over your life and the things that you do every day. So just subtle changing the way you talk about it. Yeah. To say I get to instead of I have to. Yeah. Or I want to like, you know, maybe you don't want to study. Okay. Well don't, don't say I have to go to this friend's party. They've been, asking me all year, say, I want to go to this party. And maybe you don't even want to be there, but you would rather be there than disappoint your friend or feel embarrassed for saying you'd go, but not going like acknowledge the underlying reality of what's happening. (laughs) But you're making the choice to do that instead of constantly like speaking in a way that makes you sound like you're put upon. Yeah. A total victim all the time. And instead you just like, acknowledge the choices that you're making in your life. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, yeah, that's that I think that's a nice tip and and I would encourage people to uh, make that choice, you know. You're going to get to be a lawyer. You want to be a lawyer. This is the beginning of your legal career. Yep. You um get to <laughs> rearrange your life in such a way that you bring your best self to the LSAT for an hour a day. Sometimes mm-hmm. you might need to do more, um, especially if you uh, are trying to you know, make a large amount of progress in a shorter amount of time. Maybe an hour is not quite enough, mm-hmm. but you really do need to make that choice for yourself uh, to, um, to bring the best of yourself to the LSAT every day. Yeah. You know, I've I, I'm leaning toward Pearl Ben on this tip. Yeah, I know you you had reservations, but with our amendment, I don't think yoga specifically is the thing. Yeah, meditation, things like that, so people become can get more in touch with their feelings, and actually, in some ways, well, just yeah, become more in touch, aware of them, so that they can then take more ownership for them. Yeah, I'm going to start meditating, Ben. I decided. Awesome. Yeah. I was talking to a friend last night and just it, it all of a sudden like kind of clicked like, yeah, you, you really ought to, that's a good thing to do Yeah, to ma- it's, you know, make that choice 10 minutes in the morning Yep, um, and just see if you can uh, learn how to control your mind <laughs> a little bit better. Yeah. Right. Be the boss of your thoughts a little bit more <laughs> instead of just being totally passive all the time. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you think I can do it 10 minutes a day? 100%. I know yeah. you can do it. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe uh, you can follow up with me and see if I've actually oh, been doing sure. that. Yeah. But I, I would love to just, you know, do that and see what, see what kinds of things I'm able to learn. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's a pearl. Nice. Nice. Seven pearls now on the scoreboard. 26 ties, 13, uh, 26 losses, 13 ties. Yeah. All right. Scholarship negotiation. This is an email that came in to the help at thinkingelsat.com. It says, hi, when scholarships come in from schools, what would you suggest in terms of immediate communication? I've applied to a few dozen schools. Whoa. And while I wait for comparable offers to come in from other schools to use as negotiation tools, I am sitting on many offers ranging from partial to full ride. (laughs) I feel rude not reaching out with an immediate thank you, but I'm concerned that if I do, it will be taken as a signal of my satisfaction with the initial offer. I mean, you're overthinking it there. Should I stay radio silent until I reach out with my first negotiation email? Thoughts? Thanks for everything, as always. Without your podcast, I would never even have known scholarship negotiation existed. No matter what happens, I'm headed to law school for free. So this podcast truly changed my life. And this is another anonymous. People know <laughs> Makes what l- we're going to say about their emails. <laughs> well, I don't think that's it. I, th- I think, you know, the schools, um, boy, the schools must hate the podcast. <laughs> because, yeah. For sure, people are finding out about this game that, you know, the game's been going on for years and or decades. Yep. And now, you know, like because of the, yeah, we're, we're just sort of like helping people see what's going on behind the curtain here. And, um, the schools really would love it if you just take your, whatever offer they send you and you just, you know, fall down on your knees and thank them profusely. Yeah. For the great oh, honor they accepted. have bestowed on you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you should not do that. You should definitely uh, ask for more. No matter what they gave you, you should ask for more. Yeah. I would, if you want to re- say thank you, but still think about it, just say that. Just say thank you. Yeah. I, I will get back to you soon about this yeah. generous offer, period. <laughs> or just... I will Don't get back say to you generous. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I regretted that as soon as I said it. But just yeah. say, uh, thank you. I will get back to you soon. Yeah. That's totally fine. And if they start pushing you for deposits, because that's what they're going to do, they're going to send you this like very official looking deposit deadline. Yep. And they're going to say, you know, they need 250 or 500 or $750. By the way, if you pay the 250 the next thing that they're going to send you is another deadline a month later asking for more. Mm-hmm. This is like if you donate money to the church or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's never going to be enough for them. So you, you just need to, I mean, just say no, <laughs> just say, I can't, yeah. I'm still deciding. Yeah. You know, like I don't think I've ever heard of anybody. The first deadline, that first deadline, um, if you say, sorry, I need another month to think about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody not being able to push that, that deadline back. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there are schools that are like really hardcore about it. I'd love to know. I mean, please email the show help at thinking If you want to you know, give us some more insider information about what's going on with these deposit deadlines these days at the schools. But 
they're basically just looking to get their hooks into you, you know? Yeah. They're yeah. like, it's like the car dealer who one time I was trying to buy a car. It was like mm. a Ford focus or something. This was like 20 years ago or not no, 20, 10 years ago. I was trying to buy a car <laughs> and they said like the dealer, I'll never forget, told me that that was the only one in the like, you know, local, that was like the only one in the Bay area. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ben, it was a fucking Ford focus at a Ford dealer. <laughs> You know, the artificial scarcity of, yeah. oh, well, who, boy, yeah, you better take this one home today because, you know, otherwise you're just not, boy, it's just the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking liars. And then the, the schools with these deposit deadlines, I mean, they don't, like, they put people on wait lists and don't admit them until, what, April, May? Sometimes even later? Yeah. And they take forever to respond. They treat you <laughs> like you're just on a hook. Yeah. So I would definitely recommend that you treat the schools the same way they are going to treat you. Yeah. It's a, it's a negotiation. It's a game of chicken. Yep. Hey, Stanford, we had people last year on the wait list at Stanford until September 1st. Stanford never even told them that they weren't, that they weren't in. Yeah. It was just like, you're on the wait list. And then never even said, sorry. (laughs) So like, that's what they think of you. Mm -hmm. You know, they are, it's, they are completely self-serving. Yep. They're trying to sell you a super expensive product. They, yeah, they do want to get the best talent they can get in their class and they want that class to pay the most money that they can get them to pay. So they're going to admit you and they're going to start asking you for money. Yeah. You just tell them, sorry, I can't do that. Yep. As far as when to ask for money, maybe we should just go into this spreadsheet and then we can sort of talk about it with a little bit of like context. Want to do that? Yep. Cool. So (laughs) I'm not going to share this. uh, We Sorry, we can't share this spreadsheet with everybody, but we can just talk about it. Ben and I will both look at it. Okay. Okay. I'll just describe here a little bit for the listeners. This applicant had a 3.89 undergraduate GPA. So real strong grades. Okay. A 162 LSAT. Okay. So strong, but not, you know, like crazy elite LSAT uh, by any, by any means, mm-hmm. but still a very good candidate, right? Like someone who probably isn't getting into Harvard, Stanford, Yale, but someone who could potentially knock on the door of some top 14s Yep, and should for sure expect to get a full ride at many, many like regional schools. Mm-hmm. And that has bore out here with all of these offers. So what we have is an offer from, I think I can say the schools, um, offer from University of San Diego, offer from Chapman, offer from Santa Clara, mm-hmm. offer from California Western. I think um, she's got a bunch of others out there still waiting. But these are four regional schools, all of which give nice scholarships. And... Uh, let's talk about just kind of how good these offers are and um, what we think maybe she should do as far as negotiating. Like yeah. if this were her only, I don't think these will be her only four offers, but if these were her only four offers, yeah, think about maybe what she could negotiate with. Yeah. One thing I want to like compliment her for right away is she's put all the data into a spreadsheet. She's got the tuition amount. Then she's got the scholarship amount. Yeah. Then she's got a column 
I had her add this column, by the way, which is tuition minus scholarship. Really important because, to do that. Well, that's what that's the number that really matters, right? Yeah. Nominally, if they said their tuition is one hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars a year, you know, like okay, <laughs> yeah, all right, you know, what's your scholarship and like what's what are you actually going to charge me? <laughs> so she has a column here for what she's actually going to be charged. Yeah, and then she put down the LSAT ranges. 75th and 25th percentile the gpa ranges 75th and 25th percentile and then she even put in all from the 509s she put in the numbers um for scholarships like Mm. how many people got half to full how many people got full Mm. how many people got more than full Mm -hmm. last year right so she's really like educating herself here like she's she's putting it all in one spot so she can see what other people are getting at least what they got last year yep then she has columns for conditional scholarships, really important. Mm-hmm. The number of people that entered with a conditional scholarship and the number of people that were, were had their scholarship reduced or eliminated. By the way, this is all on the 509 reports. This is all public information. This is what it takes to be a good negotiator. You know exactly what you're walking into. And so when someone slips and says, oh, uh, we'll give you this or we'll give you that, even if it's not a slip, you know whether it's good or bad and you can say yes or no. This is just a lawyer, you know, like yeah. if you're not willing to do this type of shit, you're not a lawyer you're, or you're yeah. not like, you're not a good lawyer. <laughs> this is what a good, this is like what preparation looks like. Mm-hmm. Then she put in there the conditions for keeping the scholarship, right? Mm-hmm. Cause they've all given her information about what it takes. She had to actually email the school back in a lot of cases here to get them to give her like the actual requirements for keeping the scholarship. Yeah, of course they're a little hesitant to say that. <laughs> yep. And, it's not just the condition for keeping the scholarship. So she has a column here, mm-hmm. like at University of San Diego, you have to have a 2.86 to keep yes. your scholarship. Yep. But then that's not enough because we need to know what the, what the curve looks like. Yeah. And so there is a maximum median GPA <laughs> for each of the classes, which are between... The the mean the median GPA has to be between three point one five and three point two five. Yeah, so that's less than an A minus. That's less than a B plus. My bad. That's less than a B plus. That's between a B and a B plus. That's very common, by the way. Mm-hmm. the The medians are going to be between B minus and B plus at all of the schools, basically. Yeah. She has the date that she applied, the date that she was accepted. This is awesome, isn't it? This is like such good, such good data. Yeah, it is. Holy shit. I'm noticing now she applied to Chapman on the 20. Uh, sorry, let's maybe not say the exact dates so that we don't, they don't know who exactly she is. Um, <laughs> she applied, she got her offer from Chapman in six days. Let's put it that way. Yeah. She got her offer from Santa Clara in eight days. Mm-hmm. She got her offer from California Western in that one took three months. That's strange. Oh, wait, I skipped one. Oh, and she got her offer from San Diego in 11 days. <laughs> so she's a great candidate for all these schools applying early. She, she was sending applications in late November, uh, early December, which is later than I would like. Although, wait, hold on. California Western, she actually applied in September. So she was doing them in waves. But she was definitely applying, you know, Thanksgiving-ish. Yeah. And she's getting her offers most of these offers came in before Thanksgiving or half of them came in before Thanksgiving. Half of them came in in early December. 
Hey, really quick. You, yeah. you said at one point that she had to follow up a couple times with the schools to get these yeah. numbers. I'm sure that they were sending her back some information and then either, you know, maybe not having all this information immediately accessible to whoever she was communicating with. And so they may have just balked and not responded. But either way, she eventually got this information. And I was thinking that the schools themselves, uh, whoever's responsible, you know, corresponding with her is probably thinking, oh, geez, like this person really knows what they're getting into and we'll probably be squeezed. We'll probably get. That's you know, good. It's they need good to know that. Well, this they, is the thing is they should yeah. accept her because that's the kind of player you want on your team. You're like, yeah. I hate this. I hate that I'm being taken to town with, by you, but yeah. please come to our school because yeah. you're going to go on, you're going to get a job at a good law firm uh, and you're going to, it's going to just come back to the school years yeah. to come. So anyways. Not, not only that, I mean, right, obviously, you're, yeah. you're, you're showing them that you're a good lawyer. That's yeah. a big thing that lawyers do is negotiate. But, but even not only that, an additional reason is part of the negotiation, you have to let the other side know that they are going to be squeezed. <laughs> <laughs> you have to let them know that you're not fucking around, that you're yeah. going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the, the the reality is she is not going to pay for law school. Yeah. And she might as well just go ahead and show them that right off the bat. <laughs> you know, like yeah. just start asking all of these tough questions mm-hmm. and just like, let them know there's not, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. Like if she doesn't get what she wants, she's not going to their stupid school. Yep. <laughs> so you might as well just, you know, you, you want to say it always with a smile. Mm-hmm. You want to be professional. You don't want to be a jerk be, about it. No, yeah. but but you do want to be serious and just you, you want to let them know that they are going to be squeezed. <laughs> like that's part of them giving you what they want, what you want yeah. is that they need to come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So big picture here right now, she has uh, a $52,000 a year scholarship to San Diego Mm-hmm. which leaves her with $4,000 a year tuition that she'll have to pay. Okay. Chapman is a full tuition scholarship plus $10,000 living stipend, leaving her with a negative $10,000 that she'll have to pay. So they're, they're going to actually pay her to go to Chapman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santa Clara, $35,000 a year scholarship with a $52,000 tuition. Wow. So she's going to have to pay 17,000 a year to go to Santa Clara. That to me clearly don't go to Santa Clara unless they up their offer. Yeah. And these are lower ranked schools. Yeah. They're regional schools. I mean, they're, Hey, most schools are regional schools. The vast Mm -hmm. majority of law schools are regional schools, right? If we just talk about it in terms of Harvard, Stanford, Yale, that's one tier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The rest of the top 14, maybe the top 20 is another Mm -hmm. tier. Mm Mm-hmm. And then everything else is a regional school. Yep. Right? Painting yeah. with a broad brush there, but basically yeah. that's yeah. it. That's roughly how it goes. Yeah. So these are all regional schools. She, I think she should really consider them to be equivalent to one another, except for how much she's going to have to pay and what the, rec- what the renewal requirements are. Yeah. You know, and where she wants to live and stuff. But there's no fucking way that Santa Clara is $17,000 a year better than, you know, any of these other schools. 
No way. Well, and $27,000 a year better than Chapman because Chapman's going to give her a stipend. Wow. The other thing that she pointed out was um, they do not cover, she asked them and they, all the schools universally said that the, the full tuition scholarships, of course, Ben, don't cover tuition increases. <laughs> okay. That's or at least it's pretty, not included as part of the starting offer. That seems pretty misleading to me. Like, we're going to give you full tuition. Well, then you actually should just say the number. Yeah. We're going to give you X plus this. But saying full tuition to me sounds like actually a variable, not a yeah. fixed number. Yeah. Yep. So, and the tuition increases, every school now is just continually raising their tuition by 5% a year, maybe mm-hmm. more, mm-hmm. 5 to 10% a year. That has to stop, by the way. I mean, it's clear that the tuitions of the law schools are just out of control now, and um, the, that has to stop. Yeah. Um, the, the government right now, the, the, do you agree, Ben? I mean, it's like totally against our best interest to say this. <laughs> But I clearly believe that the government should not be guaranteeing these law school loans anymore. Like the, the, the program that is set up where you can borrow 175000 200000 or more to go to law school and have the government like basically vouch for you for that, mm-hmm. that's a bad investment on behalf of the government. Yeah. I mean, I understand the the good intentions. They're saying, hey, a, a better educated populace is going to be more economically productive and, you know, just productive in general. But like a lot of these things, people figure out the name of the game and then they start exploiting it. That's why it, all these problems have happened at these for-profit law schools that have taken advantage of these federal loans and um, the let's, federal let's government's not, not even happy. break down the difference between for-profit and non-profit. I mean, the non-profits are nominally non-profits. Like there are people getting rich at the non-profits. Sure. Yeah. So I, it's just, yeah, they, it's, it is unintended consequences. The tuitions used to be reasonable and the government, you know, like we, we passed this law that, or whatever it was, I don't know how the law came or how, how the programs came to be in place, but everybody has good intentions. Yeah, of course we want equal opportunity for everybody. So the government should guarantee these loans. Yep. And then like cut to two decades later and all of the law schools have jacked their tuition up outrageously. Yeah. Like, like, I mean like a tenfold increase in tuition, Ben, over the course of 20 or 30 years. Yeah. You know, just vastly outstripping inflation, not even close. It's just there's no it's like the, no reason it's not it's so disconnected from reality yeah that they're gonna charge you fifty six thousand dollars a year for what I like how it's all real specific too fifty six thousand two hundred thirty dollars <laughs> you know what I mean to make it look like it's like th- that they arrived at that number by some actual adding up of costs or something well no. also the other thing with those numbers I've seen this before it doesn't feel as big of a number as 56,000. If you say because if you saw all the zeros in a row, you'd be like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money. But when you say 56,230, it just starts to get all muddled and your mind is getting distracted by those things. And plus, I think there's another problem here. These numbers are so big for most people entering law school. They're, you know, way larger than any sort of expense that they've ever had in their life. That the difference between $30,000 and $56,000 is not a difference that anyone feels. Right. You don't feel any different. I mean, you heck, it could be 70,000 and just be like, well, it's a big number. It's, it's, I got to deal with that. Well, it is 70 at some schools. That is crazy. 
so crazy. It's always great. It's all of it is crazy. It's all just totally fictional. I mean, if you pay that amount of money to go to these schools, you are just such a sucker. You are getting scammed <laughs> so bad. I'm sorry. And yeah. but but the thing that see that's the other thing is that unless your parents are paying for it, no one has that cash, right? Mm-hmm. No one's writing a check. <laughs> Instead, yep. it's this it's the unintended consequences, right, of the mm-hmm. perverse incentives that are all set up where the schools have an incentive to rip off this f- loan guarantee. Mm-hmm. And they're ripping you off because eventually you are going to have to pay it back unless, you know, Bernie Sanders or whatever forgives all of this billions of dollars <laughs> of debt, which is just that's I don't know why, you know, it's so that's like actually a joke, right? He's like, let's forgive all of this debt. How about let's get rid of the programs that help people get into this debt in the first Stop, place? Yeah, stench, stench, staunch, sorry, staunch yeah. the bleeding. <laughs> Getting rid of the debt, all that is is like, it's essentially a giveaway to the schools. It's a, yeah, it's like It's like just going to encourage behavior. the schools to keep doing what the fuck they've been doing. Yes, exactly. Now, of course, I think Bernie also wants to just make all higher education free or whatever, which, <sighs> whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how that would work. I don't. Jesus Christ, Ben! I saw Ted Cruz yesterday in some awful viral video. Have you seen the one where he's smoking a cigar? What? No. Ted Cruz is the most evil douche in the world. But is he still in office? I didn't even know. Yes. Yes. (laughs) He. Okay. He was he was talking about how he thinks there's this proposal that um you know like a five twenty seven plans the education savings plans yeah. He was, he's, I, apparently there's some proposal to make it so that the 527 plans can be used for test prep. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> it would make me rich, but that's a horrible <laughs> fucking idea. Are you kidding me? People should not be getting tax breaks for saving money for paying me for expensive private tutoring. Tax that's breaks not- in general are just, it's just a whole like... <laughs> It's, you know, I don't know. It just makes the playing field so uneven because the people who get them are the ones who lobby for them and they're the ones who have money for that. Well, you know, it's like, it's just like, who's getting rich off of this? Somebody's getting rich every time. Someone's getting rich off of it. But anyways, fuck you, Ted Cruz. Don't, please don't. That's just such a bad idea. Um, anyway, (laughs) those are her offers. Oh, California Western full tuition. So mm-hmm. she's paying zero. Okay, so here's the offers. Wow, California Western is full tuition. They don't know what they're competing against. Full tuition scholarship, California Western. Uh, so she pays zero, at, for, at least for the first year. She pays zero to go to California Western. Mm-hmm. They, by oh, the way, I'm have. Sorry, a, I mis- uh, yeah, I misunderstood. Okay, got it. They mm-hmm. have a 75th percentile LSAT of 153. Mm, yeah. Santa Clara with a 159 is going to want to charge her 17 and a half thousand okay. a year. Mm-hmm. But boy, she's got to be a full ride at Santa Clara, right? She's above their 75th. She's way above their 75th GPA and she's above their 75th LSAT. Yeah, they just came out they just came out with a a low offer. Yeah, they're exactly. They're totally low balling her. Chapman uh has a 75th of 160. Huh, Chapman has much better numbers than Santa Clara. Interesting. And they're offering her full tuition plus 10000 Yeah, okay, so I'm very intrigued by this Chapman offer. Especially when you look at the conditions of the scholarship, it gets even more interesting. Yeah, so let's get over there in just a second. Santa, uh, San Diego, she's going to have to pay four grand a year. This is all before negotiation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Let's assume she's agnostic about where she wants to live. Mm-hmm. 
these schools, Ben, is there any difference between these schools? As someone who lives in DC, do you, do you think no. the law firms are no. like, no, you there's don't. a difference between these schools? I mean, I think that given that Cal Western is so much lower with their 75th percentile, I imagine that anyone who knows anything about these schools may have more of a negative feeling about that school than the other three, but the other three seem indistinguishable to me. To be clear, this has nothing to do with the quality of education that you're going to get at that school. It has everything to do with the signaling factor. They know what numbers it takes to get into that school. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they just know that uh, they know that California Western is admitting people with a 149. (laughs) That's actually their 25th percentile. 25% of the class has less than a 149, Ben. That's not good. (laughs) That's fucking terrible, dude. If that's the best LSAT you can get, like there, so Cal Western is admitting people with like a 145. Wow. In California, man. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, where do you, where do you start? You're, you're liking, I mean, Hey, the Chapman $10,000 stipend. Well, I'm, I'm liking Chapman for one. It's in the top three of these schools and you know, I'm grouping those all together. It's the best okay. deal by far. It's $10,000. Negative. She's getting ten grand. That's going to go down a little bit every year because she's not actually getting a quote full tuition scholarship every year as the tuition increases. But when I look over at these uh, conditional scholar, you know what's the conditions for keeping the scholarship? That's very significant. And um, it says that the maximum median GPA for Chapman is two point eight. Mm. So and then the condition for keeping it is two point nine. So. What does that suggest? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, and then look at the previous two columns, right? This is Mm -hmm. where the, I I don't know, rubber meets the road or whatever fucking stupid cliche you want to use, but they had in 2018, 2019, they had 118 people entered with one of these conditional scholarships. 57 of them had that scholarship reduced or eliminated. Yeah. I mean, if your condition for keeping the scholarship is higher than the maximum median GPA, you have to be doing better than your peers to keep it, which is the most people there, right? Which is, I don't know, it's not totally unreasonable, but uh, that's something you got to keep in mind, and that's why people are losing these. So they might be tempting. That's of the scholarship people, Ben. Yeah. You know, there's 491 people in the school, Mm -hmm. but of the scholarship people, yeah, half of them lost their half of them had it reduced or eliminated. Yeah, and that's another interesting question. What do they mean by how many were reduced? How many were eliminated? Cause getting it knocked down 10%. Well, that hurts, but eliminated you're now going from getting 10 grand to paying 54,718 plus whatever increase they've given you over that time period. That's, uh, that is horrible. So there's grading notes on the spreadsheet. Um, mm. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, you have to have a 2.9. The median GPA in is a 2.8. Actually, that's the maximum that the median Mm. GPA can Mm. be. (laughs) So lower is acceptable, but higher is not. Interesting. Then it says, um, yeah, so all courses required to be taken by full-time students in the first year are subject to a 2.8 maximum median. So that's not the median. That's the maximum that the median can possibly be Mm -hmm. subject to the following mandatory and appropriate grade distribution. (laughs) Fucking douchebags. Anyway, um, 
3.7 to 4.0. So that means all of the A minuses and A's. Mm-hmm. There's a required range of 0 to 15%. 0 to 15%. It's okay if they give no A's and no A minuses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Maximum, though, Ben, of 15% A's and A minuses. Hmm. Okay. So 15%. I mean, that's, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you have 100 people in the class, there's a maximum of 15 A minuses. Hmm. That's interesting. Could take a look at the next number. Then uh, grade 0 to 1.9. So let's see. A C is a 2.0, right? So this is C minus and worse. Mm-hmm. At least 10% of the class has to get a C minus or worse. Wow. So, hey, you know, at these regional schools, Ben, they should be doing this. They should be failing people out of school. Mm. It's just interesting because it's a theoretical thing that I'm struggling with. Like in theory, you could have everyone hit some objective mark and then, but they're saying, even if you did, you're going to have to give 10% of these people a C minus or lower. Every school does this. They do it more at the lower ranked, you know, regional schools and they should, because what they really should be doing is failing people out after their first semester or failing them out after their first year so that they don't continue to rip them off. Well, right. but they don't care about that, right? If they can just take away your scholarship, they're yeah. like, fine. If you want to pay full rate freight, go ahead. Yep. That's normally what they're doing, right? They're, 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 they're trying to take away your scholarships. They're also trying to like fire a shot across the bow of the people who are doing really, really poorly. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, get your shit together so that we don't have to fail you out so that we can continue to rip you off for $57,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I think she has started to push back on, Hey, can I negotiate these limitations? Mm-hmm. And I think she's getting um, lots of, I don't, I don't think she's making any progress at all on that. Mm. The schools mm. don't seem to want to negotiate the, um, the, the policies on your, the restrictions on your scholarship. So they I guess have I can see belief. why it'd be real hard yeah. to negotiate each one of those individually. Right. Yeah. Then you'd have a, Oh, that's an exception student. So yeah. these policies are probably set in stone. The question is what amount of money will you get? That's definitely fluid. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's much easier for them to just go, okay, we'll jack your stipend up to $15,000 a year. Yeah. You know? um, so what do you think about that offer? What's, what do you think her, uh, what, you know, she's got a 162. And she has so, a 3.89. Yep. She's got, she's demonstrated hard worker uh, uh, in her undergrad and, you know, smart. Um, she's above the 75th percentile at the school. But numbers, yeah, yeah. But the fact remains that half of the people at Chapman last year had their scholarship reduced or eliminated. Yeah, that's that's a that's a risk. Basically, she's going into that school with the potential to get ten grand more than Cal Western. (sighs) You know what? Let's point out one other thing about these numbers, though. Mm. She's got the scholarships. Who? How many people got what scholarships? Yeah. So. 190 people got half to full tuition, zero got full tuition, and seven got more than full tuition. So mm-hmm. she's looking at a more than full tuition scholarship offer. Yeah. yeah. Right? The fact that she's looking at a more than full tuition scholarship offer and they don't give that many of those, or at least they didn't last year, suggests that she's competitive. Yeah, suggests that she's probably. Applicants. Yeah, like so all scholarship recipients have about a 50% chance of losing their scholarship mm-hmm. based on how many lost their scholarship last year. 
I would say I don't think she has a fifty percent chance of losing her scholarship. No, I agree, but it's still some number that's. I mean, it's not zero. <laughs> for yeah, sure. like imagine for a second that it's ten percent. Um, are you willing to take a ten percent chance that you'll have to start paying fifty six or fifty five thousand dollars? Really, uh, sixty five thousand dollars more uh, for the last two years of your schooling or something? I mean, or drop out or drop out. Yeah. You lost it, so now you're done. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm not saying it's out. I would just I would uh I would also want to know what her undergraduate degree was in. Because mm. the the more challenging it was, the more likely it is that she'll be able to compete and maintain yep. this high GPA. Yep. Criminal justice would make me nervous. Okay. Wanna talk about any of these other offers? What's the what do you think the next best offer is? Um that's a good question. The conditions, let me, I'm just going to look at the conditions really quick. So University of San Diego is not bad because the condition for keeping it is 2.86, but the maximum median GPA is between 3.15 and 3.25. So you can be below most applicants well, at your class. And then look at the look at the actual conditional scholarships from last year. Yeah, only about 15% lost or you know were yeah. reduced or lim- eliminated. So it's a yeah, lot which- better than... <laughs> And that's yeah. in that's right in line with what we would expect if the condition for keeping the scholarship is below the median GPA of the classes. Yeah. Then it means it's easier to keep the scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she could negotiate there. Yeah. Ask for more money. Say, hey, look, I'm getting a $10,000 stipend at uh, Chapman. And they say, okay, well, we'll give you full. <laughs> then well, she's above their 75th yeah. LSAT and GPA. Yep. Yeah. I would ask for more money. I don't think she's going to get more money from Chapman. <laughs> it feels like no. they've tapped out. So if she could get more money from University of San Diego. Maybe. Although, look, they they didn't give any full tuition scholarships or more than full tuition scholarships last year. Mm-hmm. At, least, at least not according to their 509. Yeah. So it might, mm-hmm. not be, might not be possible. But she can always ask, right? Yeah, she can ask. And if she does, wow, that, would, that seems like a lot more sure of a bet. So okay. I don't know. Those are two good options. I also like that. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm I'm between those two. Santa Clara absolutely could offer her more money. Mm-hmm. Um, she's above their seventy fifth on both LSAT and GPA. There's no planet on which she should pay seventeen thousand dollars a year to go to that school. They yeah. did give nine full tuition scholarships last year. Who are they giving it to if not to her? I yeah. mean, she's you know she's. <laughs> more qualified than their <laughs> class so they're giving it to the ones who asked right really that's what yeah happened. totally well they're certainly giving it to the people who who yes um at santa clara they took away about a third of the scholarships uh, the requirement for keeping it there is a 3.0 they have this super complicated here uh do you see how complicated the the all the the grading notes are here yeah for for what it takes to keep your scholarship hmm. um Jesus Christ. A to A minus. No fewer than 8%. No more than 12%. Oh my gosh. A through B minus. No fewer than 45%. No more than 55%. They really control that bell curve. Okay. Yeah. Um, Wait, but that doesn't even make sense. A and A minus. No fewer than 8%. No more than 12%. And then A. So that's a cumulative thing? A through B minus? You have to oh. subtract out the oh. eight to twelve percent that has to get an A or an A minus. That must be A to A plus. Oh, but then yeah, why not just A plus? Oh, 
No, but then it would just have to say A minus on the next. Ah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? She might have to fix that. Um, but C minus and below, no fewer than 8%. So, you know, and that's a 1.7, by the way, if you get a single C minus, you are not keeping your scholarship. I mean, it's going to be almost impossible to keep your scholarship with a C minus on your, because it's, there's just not enough A's to balance it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it would Mm -hmm. take a hell of a lot of B pluses. (laughs) 3.3 plus 3.3 plus 3.3 plus 1.7. I don't know. That's not a 3.0. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay. Cal Western. It's interesting. You know, the, I guess the important thing to give to the listeners is you need to think about the, the net tuition that you're going to have to pay after scholarship. Yep. You need to think about the conditions for keeping the scholarship, not just the whatever the GPA is though, because the GPA by itself is meaningless. If you don't know what the median GPA is of the school, Mm -hmm. they're going to give you a very complicated grade distribution range. (laughs) So at Cal Western five to 10% get between a 90 and a 95. Mm -hmm. Notice that it it seems as if you can't get more than a 95. Yeah. (laughs) At Cal Western, there is no, there is no 96 to a hundred. We haven't heard of that before. What does that, what does that mean? Are you kidding? Yeah. (laughs) Um, between five and 15% have to get an 85 to 89, 10 to 20% get between an 80 and an 84, 30 to 60 though. Yeah. Like the bulk of the class at Cal Western is getting between a 74 and a 79, Hmm. but then you have to keep a 3.0, which I assume a 74 to 79 is a C, right? That's a C C C C plus. Yeah. Yeah, but you have to have a 3.0. So now I'm going to predict that lots of people lose their scholarships at Cal Western. What's it say? Well, well oh, yeah. I mean, not as bad as uh, Chapman, but still decent. Well, last year, 191 got one and 67 lost it. Mm-hmm. This is this brings us kind of to the... And I know you got to probably wrap it up here pretty quick, Humpin. Um, uh, no worries. The... the uh, this brings us to the broken 509 reports. Yeah. Because Cal Western out of nowhere, it was, they gave 191 scholarships and 67 of them were reduced or eliminated. That was on their 2017, 2018 509. But the 2018, 2019 509 that just came out, it says 10 people entered with a conditional scholarship and only one of them was reduced or eliminated. Yeah. Did they, drastically change their well i don't think so because the policies that they gave this applicant this cycle yeah i mean unless they changed back i don't think so my hypothesis is the 509 is broken okay so you might want to ask the schools if something doesn't look right on the on the 509 you might want to ask the schools because we're actually seeing a whole bunch of these new 509s that seem broken and if they can't answer those questions i mean that's a red flag too (sighs) yeah broken 509s you want to go through this uh, email um, or just, I, I want to just like take a peek yeah, at these to sure, see yeah. if they're actually really like that. So I'm looking at the 2019 509 report for Santa Clara mm-hmm. tuition. Oh, hmm. where does it even say the tuition? This is on the second page uh, near the top. Oh yeah. Full-time. 
per credit. <laughs> oh, it's so it's got no per semester. It's all no zeros. No per, per year. But there's per credit tuition. Which is $1,900. Oh, okay. And then if you multiply that by 15 per... That's that right. So multiply that by 30. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's going to be the number. <laughs> so it's not broken necessarily, but it is a fucking, <laughs> they're clearly like hiding. They're hiding the information, right? Oh, yeah. it's, it's eight. It's a 1,000. It's only uh, $1,900 a credit. 76 <laughs> credit <laughs> times 15 <laughs> times two, two per year. Well, this is something that we've talked about before. 60 grand. These are confusing because it says per semester, but we think that they've given us the yearly or the annual tuition on these in the past, even though it says per semester. I I don't get that. I'm going to look at Cal Western's here because she's saying that Cal Western has zero listed for their living expenses. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Estimated living expenses for singles. Living on campus, zero (laughs) dollars. Cool, man. Why? What's going on, Ben? I thought that this was like, I thought that this was a required disclosure document because the American Bar Association is wanting to protect consumers. Yep. It's the uh, fox watching the hen house. They probably don't care. There's not even a person maybe even over this, (laughs) right? Like no one's even checking to see if it's even... I guess we have to check. <laughs> or really, cat- I mean, the users, the the applicants check, right? It's like you apply to a school, You step number one is you have to check their 509. Except their 509 that we know they is shady, don't. ask them. And if they don't answer, don't go. <laughs> I, bet, I bet less than 10% of applicants ever look at, ever look at the 509. Yeah. It just, you know, like a lot of these, a lot of these things are clearly just filled out as I'm looking at Marquette's now. Yeah. Living expenses, 2018, 2019 or 2019, 2020 living expenses, living on campus, 19,400 living off campus, 19,400 <laughs> living at home, 19,400. <laughs> why even have the fucking bit? Why even have it on the sheet? I think that they're just like, yeah, yeah, this is all required shit. We're just going to put in some numbers. No one's ever going to check us on it. Well, to, to not that this matters, but I like how on is lowercase and off is capitalized and at is capitalized. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on here? But really, at home should be much cheaper. Of course. You're not paying rent, presumably, unless your parents are charging you rent. Or food. Gosh. I don't understand. Looking at... Whoa. I just clicked on... Oh, this is an older one from Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. This is just an older one. If anything looks funny on the 509, you're going to want to dig deeper. The 509s do have a lot of valuable information on them, but unfortunately, they are very frequently broken as well. What do you think? Just ask the school? I say ask them. It's a great opportunity to check their candor. Dig in, learn if more. If nothing else, yeah. They're just so slimy though. You know, they're going to they're going to just they you you need to realize how crafty of a like salesman you're talking to every time you talk to these admissions officers. Yeah. They are professional. 
they they are like just imagine the 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 slickest car salesman you can possibly imagine. Yeah. This these people sell much more expensive shit than that car salesman does. And it's much more of like this ephemeral, you know, you don't even get a car. <laughs> you get a piece of paper at the end. Mm-hmm. And it costs way more than a car. <laughs> and and so they they're you know, they're just like they're slick. Like they that's they make a living at every year they charge, you know, they charge $50,000 a year to two or 300 different applicants. Yeah. Think about this. So too. They're going to bullshit you. I mean, they're going <laughs> to, they're going to make you, they're going to make it look like they're your best friend. Anyway. Um, thank you anonymous for sharing all that with us. Hopefully that was somewhat helpful for all, for all the listeners out there. If you're getting your offers now, you just really need to be making a spreadsheet like this and get all the information lined up and then really be able to compare. Cause you, you can't, you're not going to be able to negotiate if you don't arm yourself with this information. Yeah. All right. You want to read this uh, last email and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Hello, Ben and Nathan. I listen to your podcasts every day and I really like the information about personal statements. However, I want to hear more about the final paragraph. You said many times about the importance of the first sentence. I'm pretty sure the last sentence is just as important. No. In your po- Not just as important. That's wrong, Max. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is important. You do want to end on a good note. If you can it's definitely not your- just as important, because there's lots of cases where they could read the first sentence and not even read the last sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last impression versus first impression. In your podcast, you repeatedly said that you did not like people bragging about why they thought they were good candidates or why they thought they would fit this particular law school. Yes, that's true because true. it's all telling. Yep. I am awesome. So what? How am I supposed to know that? Also, you don't know anything about the particular school. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you went on their website, it doesn't, you don't really know anything. But yeah. anyway. Yeah. So, can you explain what a good closing statement is? For example, in my personal statement, I talked about my job and provided several examples of my accomplishments at work. Good. Once this is all done, how do I wrap it up? So, my preference is that people who write about work tend to fall into two categories. They write about work that is obviously law-oriented. It may not be law, but it makes sense that you're now going to law school. For example people who work at law firms, people who work on the Hill, um, and I mean in like the legislative process, sometimes people who work maybe in some totally different field, but they are obviously involved with contracts or something. It's like, oh, okay, I can see why you're going to law school. In those cases, I don't think you often need a, a closing paragraph per se. You just end with, look, this is what I did, (laughs) and that your statement just ends. But if you're going to talk about work and it doesn't make any sense how your work experience relates to law school, then I do like people to end with a sentence that maybe connects some of what they've, something that they've done to going to law school. Like, oh, I want to, I'm going to law school because I want to continue maybe one aspect of your work Uh, on a higher level or something, or as an attorney or something like that. These closing paragraphs don't need to be long in most cases. Sometimes they're just one sentence. Sometimes they're like two or three, but when they get longer than that, a lot of times people are just now, they're just talking about the future. They're talking about how, (laughs) how they have good skills or how they're a good fit for law school. Those things are all telling they're useless and they often have the opposite of their intended effect. So 
I don't know. That's my general advice. Yeah, I I think one sentence. Sometimes you don't need anything at all. Mm-hmm. I think there's and, and I think you can just read it and get the feel of it. If it sounds really abrupt, that you just like stop, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like there was any kind of a wrap up. You know, okay, then yeah, you probably need something. Yeah, but you definitely don't need for the above reasons. I am applying to law school so that I can expand my skills and the necessary. This is the next necessary step on the path to becoming <laughs> an attorney who can practice the law to serve, you know, this is like, okay, shut up. Just put, but you can, but sometimes you do need one sentence that says, I, I like one forward looking sentence that says what you think you want to do next, Mm -hmm. but not, I want to go to law school so that I can, it's like, yeah, we, we know you're applying to law school. We know you're going to get the necessary skills, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I think it's appropriate a lot of times to say, one particular area of the law that interests you. Yeah. Especially if it ties in nicely with the shit you've been doing before. Mm-hmm. Right. I really like a, I hope to continue working in, you know, commercial real estate transactions. There you go. Yeah. It or connects. Whatever it is. Oh yeah. Okay. Your whole statement was about commercial real estate. I mean, and that's a case where law school kind of does make sense, but you know, if you're talking about, your music career or your child therapy career or uh, I don't know your physical therapy career. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like, okay, well wait, where are you going with this? And so you might need a sentence or two or three kind of like drawing the reader to why you're going in this different direction. Hopefully you've actually weaved some of that into your personal statement, depending on how you place your sentences. People tend to overdo it, but there are ways where you can kind of hint at, Oh, like as I was a physical therapist, I also was putting, you know, I hate these sentences. This is not what I would say, but I worked on, you know, some operating agreement or something like that for my physical therapy company. And it's like, Oh, they worked on an operating agreement. So that, Oh, okay. I can see maybe they might've liked that. And then you could talk about continuing that kind of work done. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I wish we had better examples of this, but, but I think one sentence saying what you want to do next. Mm hmm. And it doesn't have to be, I know that I will be an excellent, you know, immigration lawyer or whatever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. People, it's like, they just push it like a little too far. It's like, what? Just say, I want to do this. I want to continue to do this. Yeah. uh, Immigrants as an attorney. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And if you can give the sense that you're not like dead set on it, I think that's good. Mm -hmm. If it's just like, you know, I, I, I don't know. This is not exactly right. But as I, as I look forward to law school, I, you know, I hope to be, can, be able to work with this X, Y, Z. Yeah. Whatever. Just like keep it short, keep it simple, keep it humble. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, it's not your, <laughs> when you're talking about shit you've actually done, you don't need to be, you don't, you don't need to soft sell it. I mean, you don't need to oversell it, right? You don't need to like editorialize about your own achievements. You just mm-hmm. say what you did. You don't, yeah. you don't need to like hide it though. You can yeah. just go ahead and say, Oh, well I did this. I did that. I did this other thing. That's fine. That's not bragging. That's just saying what you did like that. You're supposed to be putting your best foot forward here. Yeah. 
But when you talk about what you want to do, that's where especially I think you need to kind of keep it humble, right? Because Mm -hmm. you don't know. You don't. don't. (laughs) People always love to say what they know. Yeah. I know that University of California, Irvine will provide me with the skills I need to succeed in the sports and entertainment law. It's like, what? You don't know what (laughs) you do not know that. That reminds me of that statement we read where the author alluded to his plans to become president of the United States. (laughs) I was like, okay, well, I wish you luck. (laughs) I don't know. Anyways. Cool. Um, All right. Anything else you want to say about anything we had on the agenda today? No, that's all. Beautiful. Thanks everybody for writing in. Remember you can email the show, uh, help at thinking Follow us on social media. We are at thinking LSAT on Instagram and Twitter. Um, maybe some other stuff as well. Join the thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. I just checked the numbers the other day for that, Ben, we've got like between 16 and 1700 members in that group on Facebook. Mm. Of course, weirdly, none of those people seem like they actually listen to the show. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it's, there's a lot of like, I, I, I heard, I listened to one episode and it said, don't pay for law school. Where can I get some resources about that? (laughs) And it's like, well, um, literally every episode of the show, including this one. But, um, anyway, thank you everybody for joining the group and for participating. Um, uh, thinking else at on Facebook, you can visit strategyprep.com if you want to learn about Ben's classes in DC, foxlsat.com to learn about my classes in Los Angeles and San Francisco. Um, we do on one-on-one tutoring. Also, each of us do on Skype. You can go to lsatdemon.com if you want to see our joint prog- uh, joint project. Anything else you want to say about the demon, Ben? No. No, not at all. Just check it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It speaks for itself. LSATdemon.com and there's a seven-day trial. Um, you can listen to the show all sorts of ways. I don't know how you're listening to it now, but we are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher. Uh, you can go directly to the website if you want, thinkinglsat.com, and listen to it there. Um, sign up for our newsletter. That's at thinkinglsat.com. You can get the show notes delivered automatically to your inbox uh, every week. Including links that we talk about. Yeah, including links that we talk about on the show. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else. Um, our marketing budget for the show is exactly $0, so no one finds out about us unless you help to spread the word. That was episode 225 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks, all y'all, for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. Bye.